0: Hey, folks, welcome to the Aspire Natural Health podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Tim Gerstmar. At Aspire Natural Health, we are experts in treating gut dysfunctions, autoimmune diseases, and other hard-to-treat cases. Our goal with this podcast is to bring you a range of interesting, informative, and yes, entertaining podcasts. All right, folks, without further ado, let's get to the show. All right. Hey, folks. This is Dr. Gersmar back with another episode of the Aspire Natural Health Podcast. Today, I'm excited to be sitting with Jamie Lashbrook of WellBellyHealing.com. I recently had a patient that went to see her and raved about her, so I knew I had to have her come in, meet with her, and then get her on the podcast. She's bringing a really interesting perspective. Today, we're going to talk about abdominal massage um, and heck a lot more too. So welcome Mm -hmm. and thanks for joining me.
1: Thank you, Doctor Grismar.
0: Absolutely. So, um, before we started uh, talking here, we uh, on the podcast, we started talking just a little bit about what you do. Um, Certainly unusual to some people out there. So, do you want to tell everybody a little bit about the work? That you do?
1: Yeah, simply, um, I work with the body, specifically the abdomen, mm-hmm. and I'm trained in the modalities of Mayan abdominal massage, clinical visceral, healing breath work, and then some other energy healing that supports the body.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: So that's the simplicity of it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Not so simple, but simple too, right? Yeah. So why don't you tell, tell everybody a little bit more? I mean, they may have heard the term. I know I had Mayan abdominal massage, but w- what does that mean? What, what is that?
1: Yeah, it is actually, it is Mayan. They are indigenous uh, healing techniques Mm -hmm. for the body that um, Dr. Rosita Arvigo many years ago um, went down and trained in and studied with uh, Donnelly Hiopanti, one of the oldest known shamans in Belize. And after observing many, many healings, she took her napropathic background Mm -hmm. and applied physiology and anatomy to what she was witnessing so that she could introduce it into the Western world. Mostly, the Mayan abdominal work focuses on balancing energies um, within the womb Mm. and working with the uterus Mm -hmm. and any pathologies that have to do with the pelvic bowl. And that includes men. I work with men. And so that is also addressed in her trainings.
0: Interesting. So I think a lot of people wouldn't even think of that. Right. The the wouldn't even, you know, men, if it's not basically as long as, let's be honest, guys out there, as long as the penis is working, most men don't pay any attention to that area of their body, basically. But you're saying what you're saying, right, is that a lot of healing and a lot of work can be done in the pelvis for men, too.
1: It's incredibly healing. You know, and what I find, you know, the body is our greatest teacher and it only gives us signals and the reproductive systems in both men and women. Outside of the abdomen are usually mm-hmm. either the first or second to alert us because we're gonna pay attention when we have erectile dysfunction or when we're having painful menzies or things right. just aren't right downstairs. Right, right. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Um so what um so what does work look like? I mean, someone comes in with I don't know, what condition what what's come through your door recently that we can use as an example to tell people like what what, what this type of work looks like.
1: Yeah. Um, well, I could use we can we can use fibroids. since sure. We were touching on that. Yeah, you know, absolutely. I have quite a few clients who currently have fibroids, and mm-hmm. they have done all kinds of other things to try to address them. And unfortunately, allopathic mm-hmm. care, which I greatly respect, this mm-hmm. isn't an us versus them. They mm-hmm. don't have a lot of answers when it comes to fibroids and cysts, right? Um, within the pelvic bowl, mm-hmm. and so women. Will be given the option to have a hysterectomy. Right. And a lot, all of a sudden something goes a light goes off, and they they don't want that. Right. they don't want to lose their womb, right? So they start to um, search and they find me, right. And so they'll come in and I'll do an extensive intake of their past mm-hmm. with their pelvic bowl, mm-hmm. um pregnancy related issues, menstrual related issues, hormone imbalances.
0: So let me let me pause for one second. Use the word pelvic bowl, and I don't. A lot of people probably don't know what mm, that means. Yeah. So, what is the pelvic bowl?
1: Great. So, the pelvic bowl. If you draw, and this is from my viewpoint, mm-hmm. if you draw a line from hip bone to hip bone, mm-hmm. and then right up from the bottom of your pubic bone to meet the center of that. Okay. So, anything that really lies in your hips. It's the anatomy of, I guess, the prostate and the uterus and the bladder and all of the ligaments that hold the hips and um, those organ structures together
0: Sure sure yeah. no that makes sense uh, if you if you think of it the pelvis is is really kind of like a bowl and, and it holds <laughs> it's the bowl that holds your guts in for, for one thing right so yeah. so certainly so we're saying there's a lot that can that can become a problem in that area.
1: Oh, absolutely right. there's a lot that is in that area sure sure
0: <laughs> so we were talking about you, you were taking an intake of someone and their history and their issue around pregnancies or, or a lot of these other issues so yeah. so please uh, continue
1: so like any um, session I always begin with a full intake just mm-hmm. to kind of see the lifestyle where where the client has been what's going on right and then in the case of fibroids um, we discuss really my personal view on, okay, well, let's bring you to a place in your body mm-hmm. where then you can make the most informed decision on whether or not you want to have the hysterectomy. Mm-hmm. And because mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not opposed to surgery, I'm not opposed to intervention if it's necessary. Sure, absolutely. But we need to be informed. Right. So we do um, usually a series of four to six sessions okay. to help open up the the energy in the abdomen, the energy in the pelvic bowl Mm -hmm. and in the womb Mm -hmm. and get some blood flow. And I suggest different herbal remedies and at home care. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it depends on the client. Oh, of course. Of course.
0: But do you find that that course of treatment is often very helpful for women? Have you seen many who were told a hysterectomy was really their only option? And then you found through the work you did and the self-care that the women were doing that they, they experienced, Tremendous benefit, tremendous relief.
1: Yeah, not yeah. only tremendous leaf, relief, excuse mm-hmm. me, mm-hmm. Um, physically, but also emotionally. Mm. Mm-hmm. That fear factor went away, and they were able to tune in and understand that fibroids, unless they are actually causing an issue,
2: mm-hmm.
1: they're, they're rarely harmful. Right. They're right. most often benign. Right. And something to live with as part of themselves. Mm. And so then we dive into... The physical, or the spiritual, emotional component, mm-hmm. the creativity component, mm. and how to weave them more into the structure of their body and mm. live with them.
0: Mm. Interesting perspective for yeah. sure. Yeah, you know, I always say one of the dark sides, if you will, of of whatever you'd like to call it, alternative medicine or natural medicine or or the, this whole realm that you and I inhabit one of the, 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 well, there's two things I think that, that really are bad, I guess, or, or the dark side. And the first is uh, this idea that, you know, if you get sick, or if you have a problem, it's your fault. Mm. And therefore, you know, you're bad in some way, right? Yeah. Because if you have complete and total control over your health, which we, I, I don't believe we do have complete and total control over our health. The message that we're trying to say is that we do have a great deal of control over our health. Uh, but the downside to that is then if something bad happens to you, then it's, it's your fault you're to blame for yeah. that happening, right? And then the second part would be the belief that you know, anything can be cured and we can everyone can reach you know, the pinnacle of perfect health right? And I find, you know, so if you have fibroids, they can always be melted away and then you'll never have them. You'll never have any pain or symptoms or troubles or anything else. And we're, we're human beings here. Like, you know, we take care of ourselves and all of us can be the healthiest version of who we are, but everyone has something that they have to deal with. So I think to me, what you just said spoke to that of, it's not always look, you know, when someone comes to me we try to find that cure place and we try to restore the body to complete and full normal functioning and get rid of any problems but the reality at least in my world is that's not always possible and a lot of times it it may not be fully possible but um if we're viewing it as success equals you know reaching 100 percent, and failure is anything not 100 percent, i think that's a really tough place to be instead if we realize that Yes we want to we want to fix whatever can be fixed and then to your point or at least the way I took what you just said, we want to integrate the other pieces so that they become part of us and not something that we're fighting against or not something uh, that that is bad or an enemy or you know that ties into like a lot of body shame, a lot of anger at our bodies and everything else because look how they're failing
2: us right. yeah
1: um Adi Ashanti who's an amazing teacher often speaks about, Anytime we think that we're going to fight life, mm-hmm. we're deluding ourselves, right? right. Life right. will always win. Right. Or, you know, there's no winning in life. You know, right, It doesn't right. have that energy, but it will always it will always win. And, you know, um, this is kind of jumping topics. Sure. But recently when I wrote about SIBO, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is a huge, you know, you're either going to get rid of it or you've completely failed. And then there's this like gray area of confusion. Right. And people get really down on themselves right absolutely and I bring them in I've had SIBO Mm and so I went through this and I you know really encourage them to say hey you may have to deal with this maybe for the rest of your life right on some level right big deal
0: right no that's a no I think that's a much healthier perspective for sure um I recently had uh by the time this podcast comes out we'll have aired another one with Dr. Allison Seebecker who's considered uh Mm -hmm. one of the top Mm -hmm. um you know, naturopathic doctors who deals with SIBO, and she was saying in that that really two-thirds of SIBO should be considered a chronic disease, not just something that you kind of get and then we treat and then it goes away, but something that um, in one form or another, now you have it and it needs to be effectively treated and managed and dealt with and everything. And that was certainly um, just a reminder to me personally that, oh, right, while we always try for eradication and restoring full and normal function again we're human beings here and we do the best that we can and sometimes that means getting everything really well managed and learning to live with it and having a really good quality of life and and all those different aspects for sure for sure so something you mentioned earlier we were talking about a mutual patient that we had so This kind of ties two things together, the central defect that's considered behind SIBO is a motility issue, motility meaning movement. So normally our guts, our intestines move. They have a uh, a motion that goes from mouth to, to anus, basically, and part of that motion, that movement, A, that's what gives us bowel movements, but B, that's what keeps overgrowths from happening in the intestines. And um, it's considered that, you know, one of the central defects there is when that motility gets messed up, we can imagine a river. And when the water is moving quickly and continuously moving, like the water is clean and But when we get a stagnant pond where there's no movement, then we get it gets all murky and nasty and basically overgrown with things. And that's the same thing um, in the intestine. So you were telling me about a patient who was doing some work around the nervous system and a lot of releases. And um, and we know, at least for some people, that those motility issues are are related to the nervous system. So did you want to talk a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, I would love to. Um, I think the motility of the body is related almost all to nervous system Mm -hmm. because whatever the underlying cause, even if it was a parasite, which isn't, you know, work stress or trauma, the body registers that as stress regardless of the incoming form. Right. And so, as you know, under stress, our entire digestive system shuts down. Right. Our digestive enzymes slow down mm-hmm. and then the motility. So, the work that I do really helps to bring people back into feeling those places in their body where mm-hmm. maybe um, trapped stress is stored, mm. releasing those so that the body can then feel safe again and that motor function can return. Mm-hmm. And then, with the abdominal massage, really working with the enteric nervous system. Mm-hmm helping to turn that back on. So again, it's also registering we're safe. We don't need to be in contraction any longer. Right. And getting into the roots of the guts really. Right. Um, So through those modalities and then some breath work to help people just really stay in that centered place and Mm -hmm. feel Mm -hmm. their messages, Mm -hmm. release them in a safe container has been incredibly helpful for me and a tremendous amount of my clients. Mm -hmm. Until you in my opinion, Mm -hmm. can release those stressors in your life and become intimate with yourself Mm -hmm. around underlying causes Mm -hmm. of your imbalances, until you can reach that place, healing is challenging. Yes. You know, we really have the capacity to do this for ourselves. We do need guidance. We do need witness, Mm -hmm. mostly because we've become so disconnected from our bodies, Mm -hmm. which again, is not a negative. It's just the way we live. Sure. So seeing, you know, doctors like you, um, those who can help guide like myself and others, Mm -hmm. we're not supposed to do this alone. No. And so having witness to that stress response in the body can be very helpful.
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, we live in a, you know, an unprecedentedly unprecedentedly stressful time. I mean, as we say, like, we don't even ask people if they're stressed out anymore because it is a rare person who comes in and goes, Oh no, like I'm retired or I'm independently wealthy or no, I don't stress out. I don't, nothing, nothing's really bothering me. I mean, for, for 99% of us, it's, you know, overpacked days, it's overstimulated, uh, through everything that's out there. It's, you know, money worries, it's relationship problems. It's on and on and on for people. And most of us, until we really slow down and think about it, don't build in. We, we, we People might consider self-care to be, you know, eating healthy, whatever that's going to mean to a person, but at least they're aware that they should be eating healthy. And they're aware that they should be getting some form of exercise, at least in moving their bodies. But Most people don't realize that they need to do something to effectively manage their stress loads, right? Because I think what we're getting back to is the body and mind are not disconnected from one another. They're all part of the same thing. And so we consider, many people consider stress just to be something that's in your head, right? Something in your mind or something. But that stress it you know begins in the body and returns to the body again and like you said um stress shuts down digestion and so for so many people out there struggling with digestive issues um a big part of it is usually better learning to manage stress yeah as as a big piece and breath if you'd like to speak a little bit more breath is a tremendous lever that anyone at any time has available to themselves. So they may not always be able to sit down and meditate or they may not always be able to go in and have a massage or body work session, but they certainly have their breath available to them.
1: Yeah. I mean, breath was given to us for life. I mean, it is always there to open us up to greater possibilities in mm-hmm. our life mm-hmm. and that energy that can help come in and heal and calm us um, in an instant. It's mm-hmm. there. hmm And the the breath work that I use is an active form of pranayama Mm, that helps to really actively stimulate um, the entire nervous system and Mm -hmm. bring a tremendous amount of oxygen into the body to the point of where the mind calms. Mm. It almost, in a sense, overrides the mind once you go uh, far enough into it. Mm -hmm. And with that... um, you are able then to access those places in your body that are holding those stressors. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you're not going to sit at work and go into this, maybe right. mildly, but right. really, um, with my clients, so many people come in and they just don't breathe at all, period. Right. right. And so the contraction in the chest um, alone... Every time we breathe all the way to the tops of our shoulders like we should, we actually lift the ligaments that hold the colon in place. Hmm. There is this expansion of all of the organs like a dance mm-hmm. and a contraction. They kind of move beautifully with each other. Mm-hmm. And so if we're not breathing, there's no movement. There's no actual just natural internal massage that you can do on your own with your breath. Mm-hmm. So just educating that piece is kind of like an aha for people. Right. Like, oh, okay, if I lift my ribcage... My colon lifts and my liver kind of moves and (laughs) everything's dancing. Right, right. Okay, great. Rather than giving them a like, you have to breathe because you're stressed. Right, right. No, yeah. Oh, that's, it's interesting.
0: Right, right. So
1: breath is there.
0: Absolutely. I know. Absolutely. I mean, I think it's interesting kind of talking about um, some of those deeper states you can achieve through breathing. We've, you know, in this podcast, I've talked to some people um, in dealing uh, with like, for example, PTSD and the use of um, some of the plant medicines like ayahuasca in this one particular case. And so again, kind of getting back and accessing whether you want to call it body memories or experiences, some of which are very, like, very, very young or primeval for people, and work having that, that working through those issues and finding that their health and any issues that they're dealing with are tremendously helped by that experience, mm-hmm. right? And I'm reminded that um, uh, Stanislav Grov Grof, I believe his name was, was a, a oh, I'm going to mess this up, a psychiatrist, I, I believe, uh, back in the 60s, he did a tremendous amount of work with LSD and using it for assisting psychotherapy. And once LSD was made illegal, he went on to develop this technique. Again, I apologize if I get this wrong, but I think it's holotropic breath work, which is some... It is. Okay. Okay. It sounds like you know a little bit about this. Yes. Do you want to talk about it?
1: Sure. His training is beautiful and extensive Mm -hmm. and it does really teach practitioners who go through the training Mm -hmm. or those who go on the retreats Mm -hmm. to take themselves beyond the mind and into those spaces of witness Mm -hmm. of their own spirit, Mm. release trauma, Mm -hmm. um, memories that don't serve, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: the pain body, Right. you know, and the list goes on. Mm -hmm. And uh, going back just a little bit to when you were speaking of plant medicine, Mm -hmm. you know, these entheogenic states are so powerful because the medicine in a sense is your witness if Mm. you allow yourself to be in union with Mm -hmm. her him or what you want to call it right Um, the breath is very similar if Mm. you allow yourself to go into that state of really surrendering to the powerful breath techniques. And mm-hmm. there are, a, you know, the holotropic or the shamanic or the transformation. They're all trademarked, but pretty much the same vein. Sure, sure, sure. Um If you allow yourself to go in there, again, you are then allowing the breath to be witness, but then you become witness to your own self. Mm-hmm. And I have found, I've worked in many realms, mm-hmm. the breath to be one of the most healing because I'm not in an altered state. Right. Which is a beautiful place to be, but I'm working with my own body and Mm -hmm. this life force, like I said, Mm -hmm. that is, was given to us to sustain our bodies Mm -hmm. when Mm -hmm. we came into this world. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's, you know, we could go on and on around this, but essentially it's another path to that same location, but it's just your breath. It's simple. It's beautiful. It's there. Right. It's in the, it's in everything.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. Well, it's nice because, you know, you don't have to. Uh, it's it's something that, um, you know, I, I don't want to say people can do themselves. Obviously, they need to learn how to do it properly. And it's, of course, Correct. always good to have someone, a guide there and someone to help them. But of course, um, in this current day and age, you don't have to travel down to, you know, South America, and get into the jungle and go to, you know, a, a, something like that um, to have... Some of these profound experiences. Yeah, you know? and so
1: I will say just a little to add to that: um, having witness mm-hmm. when you're going through the breath work. Mm-hmm. Um, my clients having somebody there to hold that space, right, and call attention to the places in their body that they hold, even give voice mm-hmm. um, to that until they can learn on how to do that and have that release on their own. Mm-hmm. So. Witness is powerful. Absolutely. We do want somebody to see our pain in a way so that we can let it go. Oh, absolutely. Make it valid. <laughs>
0: you know, having young kids, uh, we definitely, uh, the, 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 you know, the universal cry of the kid is look at me, right? And you realize that as an adult, everyone is still saying exactly that, <laughs> right? Um, and one of the, the most painful experiences, I think, for people is feeling ignored or, you um, You know marginalized or or put down right Um, not recognized for who we are and what we do right I know we're kind of going out there but these things you know again the mind and the body are not separate things and so the this distress this almost primeval distress that people feel cascades down into the body and it can be expressed and and you know i always say this because we all i also work with a lot of people with autoimmune disease and eventually the question comes up of you know it do you hate yourself and how much right because if we think about it autoimmunity is you attacking you right which is not a not supposed to happen the way the whole system is set up and b uh you know uh, not a good thing, right? Uh, depending on where that autoimmunity is, it can be life threatening for people. So, why is this occurring? And so, on an emotional level, we come to talk about that self hatred. And I would say, you know, a good 90 plus percent of people, when they've gotten a little comfortable and are willing to talk about it, it definitely comes up. And resolving or working through those issues. May not make the autoimmunity go away, but it certainly seems to make things, A, much better in terms of the physical disease that's going on for that person. And B, to your point earlier of learning to live and be happy and have a good quality of life comes into play, too, for sure.
1: Yeah, we again, we we can't fight ourselves. We can't fight life. And
0: well, it hurts to do so. Yeah. Right. I mean you can and people do it all the time, but it's the most painful way to live.
1: It is. And the body was designed to bring that pain to the surface, not to punish us, but Mm -hmm. to guide us and alert us to, hey, there's something there's something wrong here. It's it's really an ally. Right. Yeah,
0: Yeah, and again, a much gentler way of looking at symptoms. We can get mad at our bodies and, and call them defective, and but if we can look at um you know our our troubles the things that are bothering us and use them um as as what as signposts to to under better understand what's going on in ourselves and if we can view it as you're saying like a teacher like showing us where an issue is that that we can take action on it's just a it's a gentler way of living in the world it is yeah Yeah, yeah for sure so pause for a little drink there what um what would you say would be the most misunderstood piece of what you do
1: Hmm. you know that that might be something to ask my clients Mm. because what did somebody say the other day I was out and somebody came up to me in a community that I am involved with and I said what Jamie what do you do Mm -hmm. somebody who knows me very well Mm -hmm. says well it's like that joke when you ask an elephant where it sits
2: (laughs) right right right
1: um, I guess working with the nervous system and when somebody leaves and they're just better, and mm-hmm. we've all had these experiences where mm-hmm. you're just like, I don't really know what happened, but I feel better. Right. And really, we don't need to know. Often we ask too many questions, mm. which keeps us in our head. Mm-hmm. The things that are meant to be revealed will be revealed if they're helpful. Um. So I think it's that little mystery piece that... The reason we're all called to service and help, like Mm -hmm. yourself and Mm -hmm. others, Mm -hmm. is to find that little vein in of like, wow, that worked. I don't really know what happened. Right. 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 But the misunderstood piece, um, you know, people are really unfamiliar with the many layers of what can be held in the abdomen. Mm. And so they come in and they think, well, okay, it's massage. It's going to touch my body. Right. And then all of a sudden they realize that it touches something much, much deeper.
2: Mm. Oh. and that's mm-hmm.
1: only something you can know when you know right yeah right
0: so i guess we would say you know most people when they think of massage or they think of body work are basically thinking about a relaxation massage yeah a swedish right?
1: massage coming into a spa and that's right i always laugh when i get those clients that come in and they're i ask if they've ever had massage before and they right. say no and i'm like oh you well this will be interesting right
0: <laughs> right <laughs> For sure, for sure. <laughs> yeah. So nothing wrong with that form of massage, but that largely our society has been programmed to think that that's, that's what massage is, yeah. right? It's a relaxation modality, which again, fine, all great, but that there's not really any therapeutic power to really do anything besides just make people feel better, maybe soothe sore muscles or Something like that, Correct,
2: yeah.
0: Um, I was talking with an Ayurvedic practitioner a little ways back, and uh, for anyone who doesn't know, Ayurveda would be the traditional medical system of India, and they were saying that... um, one of the traditional therapies for multiple sclerosis was 100 massages in 100 days. So you would get a massage (laughs) every day for 100 days. And of course it would be, you know, again, it's far from just a simple relaxation massage. I know there's some very specific, um, you know, techniques and various pieces that, that those trained practitioners are using. And they are also using a lot of medicated Oils and ointments so that have been infused with herbs and everything So you're getting some of that being absorbed through the skin as well And then they would say you know he the the, this this practitioner said after a hundred days you do reevaluate And most likely you do another hundred days of massages And so you have to think who wouldn't feel better with 200 days of 200 massages, right? unfortunately, you know in our society and uh, just, just the way most people are thinking, there's just no way that's actually like m- most people will practice that, which is, which is a bummer, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'd like to practice that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, who wouldn't, for sure? Um, I heard a story too, and his name—it's not George Carlin. It was the other old comedian. He lived into his 90s, and he always smoked a cigar back in the 80s. Oh, it's killing me. And uh, he apparently, when he made it and was quite successful, one of the things he would do is have a massage every single day. Yeah. So kind of nice, huh?
1: That is kind of nice.
0: So anyone who's independently wealthy out there, you know, just, <laughs> just thinking about daily massages. So, all right, we've talked a little bit about fibroids and we've talked a little bit about um, uh, the, the role that emotions play in, you know, physical disease, but also in terms of just kind of m- a person's mental emotional state, right? Yeah. And there's another great book I always recommend to people out there um, that touches on a lot of this called When the Body Says No by Gabor Mate. Oh, and if you yeah. haven't, if yeah. if people haven't read that book, it's again, a, a, a more sciencey way of coming at this idea, look, do do emotions and do early life experiences do they honestly have any impact on a person's health or disease and, I, and the data is really undeniable that um, especially what happens to us early in life and how it sort of programs us to go about uh, our life it dramatically influences our health and well-being and so we need If we're trying to get and stay healthy, we need a variety of tools to help us to the extent that we can go back and reprogram Some of these things and so you know uh i'm excited personally to find another thing besides this growing body of evidence on on the entheogens or these various plant medicines or things like mdma or lsd that when used correctly and when used therapeutically and when used you know by people experienced and who know what they're doing can have really profound influences on people but it's cool to hear that there are other ways to get in there and access it and that body work and breath work can be two ways to to help people move into and through some of that material as well.
1: Yeah, beautiful and ways that can be an entry point to explore other, other things when mm-hmm. you start to trust your body.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So uh, something that you said that was interesting to me that I never would have thought of was that A, you do work with a lot of men as well because again, men tend, just as a stereotype here, to be a little bit more resistant to some of this kind of work and some body work and some of these things in general. So can you talk a little bit about uh, some of your experience working with with men?
1: Yeah, I would love to. Um, I wrote years ago when I started to work in the belly, one of my first blogs was Men Have Bellies Too. Yep. And many men don't even think about having a pelvic bowl. It's absolutely new terminology for them. Right. You know, it's like, well, I'm not a woman, but, oh, wait a minute, but you do. Right. And you have a belly. Right. And <laughs> it wants to be touched and addressed and have feeling, and it does the same digestive process as a woman, and, mm-hmm. um, and there's a reproductive function down there. hmm And, of course men are not taught to have an emotional connection with their body. And for one, they don't have a moon cycle. They actually don't have a physical connection that happens like a woman does. Right. So that makes sense. Right. Um, so my passion with working with men was to bring them into that place of feeling safe in an environment where they could explore their pelvic bowl and their abdomen and have a better just awareness of their body. hmm. Um, I had a client this week, and he came in. He had a really bad bout of digestive issue. I think he mm. probably actually swallowed some water and got a parasite. Mm. But I also don't believe that there are any accidents. And what had actually happened is he came in, and that was his complaint. But we get him on the table and is overriding area of concern was actually that he had, um, pancreatic inflammation mm. and he's like, Oh yeah, by the way, you know? And so it's also <laughs> nice cause I, men also don't want to talk about these, you know, erectile dysfunction or when things right. go wrong downstairs. Right. And right. It's like, Oh, by the way. And so we discovered that because of mesh from an old hernia surgery mm. had compromised, um, a lot of his scar tissue that mm-hmm. the two canals, um, that actually blood and lymph and nerve flow through down into the, the penis and the mm-hmm. rectum from mm-hmm. the prostate mm-hmm. they were blocked
0: interesting
1: so we got right and so it's the it's that yeah. you know it's yeah. that moment where yeah. of course men come in and right hey i'm here my back kind of hurts my belly's kind of upset oh and by the way right it's just that safe place right
0: absolutely well that's a wonderful gift cuz i know you know, men, we're still inculturated to be, um, to not hurt, and, and both physically and mentally, right? Yeah. Um, if you're hurting, you cover it up because that's weakness. And if you display weakness, then somebody's going to pounce on you and it gets game over for you, right? Yeah. So we have, and we see that in every way. Men don't go to the doctor until their condition is really, really severe. And so, of course, then it's often, you know, much, much harder to treat or not possible to treat at that point and everything. And so if both, both physically, um, we want to address many of these issues. And again, we live in a low touch culture, which is very foreign to our biology you know historically or evolutionarily if we look at where we came from we lived in a high touch high community culture and now um, we we reap some of the positive benefits of more independence more self direction of our lives and everything that not being in those very small tightly contained social units but we face more you know to our earlier point isolation and loneliness but we also face this deficit of touch You know, Mm -hmm. which is why for so many people, pets can feel, can fill such a tremendous role because like your dog really just wants to love all, most dogs at least, right? Want to love all over you and want you to touch them and they want to touch you and everything. And I know for so many people, it can be such a, um, such a tremendous healing experience. And again, that unconditional love that those animals can give to you, right? So your dog doesn't, isn't, um you know, uh, judging you for being five pounds too fat or because your hair looks bad or like because you didn't get the raise at work or like whatever it is, your dog just loves you because you're there and for who you are, right? And that's such a yeah. such a healing experience for so many people.
1: And a really think. good practitioner sets that same space because right, where there is no shame in... In the body, right? Ever,
0: right? Or that there should not be. There should not be. I mean, people carry it, but
1: from the practitioner's standpoint,
0: and we definitely say that. Look, you know, if you feel, you know, I, I always make a very big deal about saying this for me the relationship that we build with that, that a health practitioner builds with their, their patient or their client is the, the single most important thing beyond any particular modality that, or, or tool or anything that that person is using, unless you know, like you're bleeding all over the place and you just need a surgeon to get in there and close it up and stitch it back together. If you're doing any type of serious, you know, Uh, longer term, less emergency work with a person, the first and most important thing is you need to feel comfortable in that person's presence. You need to more or less like that person. I mean, you know, it's one thing to just say, well, I'm seeing this person to help me with my issues. But again, I find over and over again in my practice, and I'm sure it's even more for you because It is even more personal touching people but those people who will not build a relationship with me who you know keep that distance who refuse to engage a they usually never stick around for very long and what we always say is true healing healing of chronic deep-seated long-standing issues it takes time you know, one or two visits, and I'm sure it's. Ex- I'll let you talk here in a second. I'm sure it's exactly the same for you. Is not going to clear an issue that's been there for a long time or is really deeply seated. That's that's my experience at least. And um, and two, even if they do stick around for a while, that lack of relationship, they they never get the same quality or level of results that that people who are willing to build a relationship do.
1: Yeah. um, I always know the ones when they come in and they have a great session, but I won't see again. Mm, mm -hmm. And I never take things personally. I have really no conditions. I just want all to find their healing path. And I find that even if they don't return, there was most likely a seed planted. And so then somewhere down the line i hope that that seed comes well sprouts and comes to fruition for them sure um, safety and trust is of the utmost sure. importance right. and every morning when i wake up i i realize there are people that have decided to come to see me that day to put their self in my care and that is a very humbling experience and to the point of the one to two sessions The body, in order for any new patterns, you know, you learn a new language, you learn how to ride a bike, whatever it is, Mm -hmm. there's a patterning there. Right. The body, with working with a doctor who has you on a protocol and lifestyle changes, or a practitioner who's physically touching your body to repattern stress, trauma, and any pathologies, it takes time. Right. And then we dive into, well, why don't people show up? Well, it's because we touch into that self love, self care piece. And nobody's alone in wanting to not face how right. to love themselves more. Right, 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 right.
0: There is some, or, you know, again, I take this from, you know, and again, people can go back. We've had a, a recent, again, an interview with someone who was using um, ayahuasca for PTSD and found tremendous, tremendous healing. But as they said, it was an ordeal. Like there were scary parts to face and yeah. there were, um, it, it wasn't, necessarily a pleasant experience but like any anything really significant in life there's a if you will there's a cost or there's a there's an you know some discomfort that we have to go through and healing can be the same especially if we we want true and deep healing and we want to address the the mental emotional and spiritual components often there's some uncomfortable stuff that that we have to face and certainly you know i've seen more than my fair share of people we get to the brink they they're doing better they're doing better they're doing better and now now is the time that they have to start facing some of those issues and we see that some people just they they veer off they can't they're not at a place where they can yet deal with that and so it's sad on you know from for me from an outside level to see that work unravel for them or symptoms to come back or watching someone sabotage themselves and you try you do what you can to try and help them move forward to gain clarity and awareness. But you know, again, some people aren't there and and you can't take it personally because um, I I know for myself, I did that early in my career and someone would come in and you would get a sense of who they are and what was going on for them and you deeply wanted to help them and almost to the point where you're like, I'm gonna make this change for them and then after almost burning out and everything, you realize that you, you can't. You know, you can yeah. be there and you can help people, but but you can't make the change for them. So, no. Yeah. No. Intense stuff and venturing far off the field of just plain body work, but of course, <laughs> it's never just that simple. No, it right? never is. It never... So, what haven't we covered today that you would like people to know, either about you or the work you do, or any of the topics that we've been talking about today?
1: Mm. Um. I suppose that, you know, my, just to sum up really what my journey in this all is, is mm-hmm. I, I truly want everybody to find that place within themselves, even if it's for five minutes, mm-hmm. where they remember. Mm-hmm. They remember who they are, you know, whether it's a memory from lives past or from very, very young where they felt peaceful. Mm-hmm. And they just know that there's something greater than themselves, whatever they identify that as. hmm That is really my role and I guess that could that could sum things up. As far as anything they want to know about me, I'm a pretty open book. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm always open to emails, even phone calls. You can peruse my website. Okay. Um Yeah. I guess it's really okay yeah
0: so if someone's listening obviously if they're resonating well with the, the with what they've heard from you or their philosophy but is there any specific if someone were I know you deal with many conditions but if someone were saying I'm having x thing should I go see Jamie is there anything in particular that that you feel um that they should seek you out for
1: Well, of course, abdominal care. Okay. You know, if you are struggling with anything um, as far as your abdomen, your digestive system, your reproductive Mm -hmm. system. Okay. um, I work with fertility, which I should definitely mention. I work with a lot of fertility. Okay. Very passionate about that. Mm -hmm. Um, So if any of those resonate with you, please come in. Or if you've gotten to a point with your care... And you don't feel like there's anywhere else to go, Mm -hmm. and you just want a little bit of guidance. Mm -hmm. Um, Even if you come to see me one time, I may refer you somewhere else and get an instinct of what may serve you better. Mm -hmm. I always say you'll never walk away from a session wishing you hadn't come in. Mm.
0: Nice. yeah. Nice. You want to take we've got a couple more minutes. Do you want to just take a brief stab at infertility and talking about that? I know Mm. obviously it's becoming epidemic now and there's obviously we could talk a lot and a lot of different pieces, but, um, a lot of women are seeking IVF and doing, you know, very expensive, um, you know, procedures to try and have kids and everything. Do you want to, why don't you speak for a minute about infertility?
1: Yeah, thank you. Um, I might not be very popular after what I'm going to say, but Mm -hmm. it's truly what I have witnessed Mm -hmm. in working in this realm. Um, I deeply respect and honor the path of the couple that is having challenge with Mm -hmm. getting pregnant. Mm -hmm. And I will always hold space for whatever um, path that they choose, whether it be IUI, IVF, natural approach, Mm -hmm. uh, adoption, whatever that is. Right. However, um, again, knowledge is power, and mm. I too often find that women come in and they've already had IUI or IVF cycles that have not been successful, mm-hmm. and they've been given this diagnosis of infertility, which is just shaming and fearful. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and they haven't been educated about not even their menstrual cycle. They haven't been educated about what happens in their body when. Mm. It's getting ready to have a baby. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I ask simple questions like, how long is your luteal phase? And mm-hmm. most women will stare at me like, oh my God, I'm devastated. What are you talking about? Right. And it's really important. Right. you know. Um, right. in, infertility mm-hmm. is big business. Sure. And again, I, I honor that path. However, get all of the knowledge that you can before you make that decision. Sure. And again, we come back to... The body and your lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And most often I find that if there are fertility challenges, it's because there is an enormous amount of stress in the body mm-hmm. and in the life mm-hmm. of the couple. Right. And they actually don't have space for a baby. The, the body is wicked smart.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It's not going to say, hey, let's bring in another life when there isn't a whole lot of life to give. Right. And that's not... That's just the way it is. It's a beautiful symphony, mm-hmm. you know, if you really want to break it down. And so that's what I have to say about that. Um, I really I really feel for that path. and it's we're seeing younger and younger women come in. Mm-hmm. And again, it's it's the stress and it's also this message that we've sent out to our women. That the minute you decide you want to get pregnant, you probably won't. Mm. And it builds this society of fear around our bodies Mm. that needs to be unraveled. Hmm. Um, So come in and I'll help you unravel it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, that would, the stress thing would play into that common scenario, right? Of trying, 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 and then finally giving up, adopting, or doing something, and then suddenly being pregnant, basically, right? Yeah, or when, going on uh, vacation and like, right. oh, we
1: got pregnant. On va- well, of course right. you did. <laughs> right.
0: Right. <laughs> yeah. For sure. For sure. Well, I mean, look, again, we think at it, even from just a purely physical level, that, you know, being pregnant is not only a tremendous, uh, I'm looking for the right word here. Pull on the woman's system. It requires a lot of nutrition. It requires a lot of hormonal changes, immune changes. A lot is going on in a woman's body to become pregnant. And then through the course of the whole pregnancy, like, right, a big stressor on her system, one that the human body has evolved to deal with beautifully, but there are limits, of course, to it, right? And if you take someone, they're already stressed to the max, and and many women out there who might be, you know, on a perpetual diet and might not be eating good quality food, not might not be getting enough sleep, they might be over-exercising to try and stay really nice and skinny like they think that they should be, Mm -hmm. right? And um, they're working a full-time job, and then they're taking care of a home, and then they're dealing with maybe relationship issues or whatever else is going on, and they're already at, you know, 99 out of a hundred, as far as stressors for their body, or maybe even more, and then they're trying to add yet another stressor in terms of getting and staying pregnant. Right?
1: Yeah, and you know, it's a it's a beautiful stress, but the body sure. again, it's it's a stress. And I will just put a little plug in for the Mayan abdominal work. Mm-hmm. There could even just be an anatomical issue, and that's mm-hmm. the reason the, the Mayan abdominal work is so beautiful. Is right. If the, the womb, if the uterus is in a position that isn't allowing life to come in in an easy way, mm-hmm. then it makes it difficult. And often, we just need a little bit of adjustment anatomically.
0: Nice. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Well, we certainly say look, there are a lot a lot of lot of options before jumping to IVF or any of those procedures. You know, we're, we're just like any high-tech medical procedure. We're glad that they're there and there's certainly times and places to use all of these different medicines. But certainly, you know, can we, you know, tune up a woman's health and get her in really, and, and let's not forget the men too, because I don't want to, you know, women automatically fall under the crosshair if there's any problem getting... Yeah, th- thank this, you. Uh, yeah, this uh, it goes back to, again, you know, the woman's having trouble, like, rather the couple is not conceiving, so the woman obviously is very worried, and may- maybe, maybe not the husband, but the woman automatically goes to the doctor and gets checked out, and the guy may be going like, well, I seem fine. Well, we know in a good number of those instances it could be the guy just as well. Right, right. That's pretty high. Uh, Yeah, not just a few, (laughs) but often, right? Or some combination of both of them, of course, Yeah. right? And so we know, you know, We'll, well, I'll just briefly touch on this. We'll save it for maybe some other day. But, you know, sperm count in men has been falling pretty dramatically since World War, uh, World War II, right? A man nowadays who is considered healthy and has a good, adequate sperm count, if you looked at the standards of in the 1940s, they would be considered infertile. That's how much the sperm counts have fallen. Yeah, right? I just heard
1: that. It's astonishing. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: And uh, personally for me, obviously lifestyle is going to play a really big role, but I think the presence of environmental toxicity, all the different you know toxic compounds, endocrine disrupting chemicals, and all those other have the lion's share of... To blame for that. Yeah, so,
1: sitting all day.
0: Well, certainly all, all of those things play a role, <laughs> yeah, right? And you could speak more highly to that, but certainly sitting all day, putting all that pressure, that extra pressure in and among the pelvis causing stagnation, nothing's moving exactly. has certainly got to play a big role in all of this as well. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, it's been a fascinating conversation, far kind of far reaching everything from body work to emotions to or entheogens, right? Um, All of this stuff. But healing, you know, there are many layers to healing. For people who come and see me, we often start on that physical level because in our society and culture, that's where people are comfortable as a starting place. Taking care of the physical body, I believe, is critically important. But we are not just physical bodies. We're also these mental, emotional, and spiritual levels as well. And so, if you don't have a healthy body, it's it's hard to have a healthy mind, right? But just fixing the body often isn't enough. And we need to progress and go deeper and grow as human beings and lead not just healthy lives, but happy and fulfilled lives as well. So yeah. I think all of this stuff is deeply connected. Yeah. All right. So if people want to check out more about you, where should they go?
1: Uh, my website is wellbellyhealing.com. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And you can find um, information, phone numbers, emails, everything you need right there.
0: Okay. Fantastic. So if you want to look up Jamie, you go to wellbellyhealing.com. Yes. And uh, she is in, and where are you located?
1: I'm located downtown Seattle okay. um, in Eastlake. Okay. Very easy.
0: Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. All right, folks. Well, that will do it for this episode of the Ancestral. Uh, aha. That will do it for this episode of the Aspire Natural Health podcast. Until we talk again next time. Take care. Thank you. All right, folks, that wraps up another episode of the Aspire Natural Health podcast. If you enjoyed it, we hope you've subscribed to us over at iTunes. You can also check us out at our website, www.aspirenaturalhealth.com. That's Aspire as an A S. 7849. You can set up that free 15 minute consult. All right, folks, until we meet again, take care.